Praise God. Praise God. The rest of us, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Tonight we continue our study on pneumatology, the theology of the Holy Spirit, and we, uh, today we'll consider the household of Cornelius a little bit closer. Acts chapter 10, verse 22. Tonight we're going to affirm uh, some things that the Scripture affirms, and we'll state them unequivocally and without fear or trepidation. Acts chapter 10, verse 22. Uh, today we're going to read quite a bit, so just follow along. I'm going to read quite a bit. And follow along with me. The verses will be on the screen. Acts chapter 10. You don't need to stand again. Acts chapter 10. Follow along with me. Verse 22 through 48. I hope you brought your Bible. If you brought your Bible, lift it up. I want to see your Bible. I haven't done this in a while. Did you bring your Bible to church? Yeah? Good. If you didn't bring your Bible, um, follow along on the screens above. But uh, in this church, we teach and preach from the Word of God. And you're going to need it here. Acts chapter 10. Uh, look at verse 22. Okay? When you're there, shout Amen. Follow along with me. I'm not going to ask you to read with me because it's quite a bit, uh, but follow along with me. Acts chapter 10, verse 22. I'm reading out of King James tonight. And they said, and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that fears God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Verse 23. Then he called them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and then called together his kinsmen and his friends. Key verse there. Uh, Cornelius waited for Peter and called together his kinsmen and his good friends. And 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Uh, 26. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, for I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many. Peter went in. After talking to Cornelius, he went in and found many. Somebody shout many. Many that were come together. Verse 28. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is unlawful. It's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or even to come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I shall not call any man common or unclean. There is a message in and of itself. God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. I wonder why we do what God told him not to do. 29. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. So I ask now, therefore, with what intent have you sent for me? Verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Cornelius is a Gentile, by the way, but he has forsaken paganism and has feared the Lord. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. By the way, if God will hear the prayer of Cornelius, why would he not hear ours? He said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Verse 32, send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, or Peter, whose surname is Peter. He's lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside whom when he comes shall speak unto you. Immediately, therefore, I sent for you. Thou hast done, that thou hast well done, that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Notice Cornelius recognized the presence of God even before Peter preached the word. 34, then Peter opened his mouth. Somebody shout, open his mouth. You need to open your mouth for God to fill it. 
I'll say that again. You need to open your mouth and God will fill it. He's not going to pry your mouth open. It doesn't work that way. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 35, but in every nation, somebody say every nation. In every nation, he that fears him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all, not Lord of some, he's Lord of all. That word, somebody say that word. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. 38, here comes the gospel. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Ghost and with power. I... Submit to you, if Jesus of Nazareth was anointed, was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, what do you need? Was Jesus God then? Was he God then? If he needed to be anointed, what does that say about us? Help us, Lord. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem who they slew and hanged on a tree, referring to Jesus. Verse 40, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. 41, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and the dead. 43, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. 43 is, an, is, is a warning to those even today who try, to, who try to do away with the Old Testament. There is a movement right now, and it's gaining steam. There is a movement right now that is gaining steam. Preachers and a coalition of ministers who are trying to do away literally with the Old Testament. You'll be amazed that these people have thousands of followers. The Old Testament, why do we need it? Because they give witness. They prophesy of who? Of him. They testify of who? Of Jesus. To him gave all. See, somebody crashed in the rain. You can hear the sirens. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. Verse 44. Are you following? 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. 45, they of the circumcision or Jews which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Underline the word gift. Poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 46 for they heard them what? Verse 46. I'm sorry. I'm not even watching the screen. Sister, you're not on the same verses. Verse 46. I'm sorry for not telling you, calling out the verse. 46. That's why y'all look a little bewildered. 46. For they heard them what? Speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter. 
Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we, or that have received the Holy Ghost just as we have? Verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Lord, add a blessing to the reading of your word. Help us, Lord, give us understanding of the text. Illuminate the scriptures, Lord, and point us to Jesus. Ignite our hearts, I pray, that we might hunger and thirst for righteousness and for the infilling, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back now. You're like, go back where? You just read a lot. I know, but it's good because some of you haven't read your Bible in a few days. Let's consider a few things about what we just read. Sister, follow me in the points now. The first thing that we see here is that Cornelius' household, they believed and were saved at the moment that Peter spoke of Jesus. Now, these things are important because as I've been teaching you about the Holy Spirit of God and being baptized with the Holy Spirit, regeneration comes before spirit baptism. Regeneration is just a theological word for being saved. Everybody shout saved. What is the only prerequisite of being baptized in the Holy Ghost? You must first be what? Everybody should know this. You need to know this. The only requirement to being baptized in the Holy Ghost is you must be saved. Sometimes there's a period, there's an intermission. Uh, Sometimes people are saved and they're not filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit immediately. Sometimes they are filled right after they're saved. My grandmother Gonzalez was saved and then baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues right away. That doesn't always happen, but it can happen. What needs to happen before we're baptized in the Spirit is we must be baptized into Christ. We are baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ, into the body of Christ. But after we're saved, Jesus comes and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit of God. And so we're saved, we're born again first. That's the only requirement. We see here in this account, this glorious account of the house of Cornelius, that his household believed. Somebody shout, they believed. They believed and they were saved as Peter began to preach the gospel to them. The second thing that we see in the story of Cornelius is that they experienced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was very similar to to what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit fell. That word in Greek is the same word that is used in the book of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered in one place and in one accord. The Spirit of God fell upon them. Uh, other translations say breathed upon them. Uh, but it's the same understanding there in Greek. The Spirit of God, as they were hearing the gospel preached by Peter, the Spirit of God fell upon the house of Cornelius, much like it fell on the day of Pentecost. This is what's also uh, amazing about the house of Cornelius. He had, it was him, his family, his kinsmen, and a bunch of his friends. They were all packed into the house where Peter would preach that day, and the Spirit of God would fill the house where they were listening to the word of the Lord. Uh, thirdly, let's continue. Uh, when we consider the experience that the house of Cornelius had, we see that Peter clearly identified the household, watch this now, the household of Cornelius with what happened on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 11, verse 17, we see here, uh, let's read, ready, read. If then God gave the same gift, everybody shout same gift. It wasn't a different gift, it was the same gift. If God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, when did he give it to them? On the day of Pentecost. So what's unique about Cornelius' experience is that it was the same, it was very similar Uh, Here Peter says, God gave them the same gift that he gave to us when we believed 
when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how can I stand then in God's way or how can I forbid them? They received the same gift. It wasn't a different gift. It's the same gift. And I'm grateful that thousands of years later, we too receive the same gift. Hallelujah. We can receive the same gift that Peter received. We can receive the same gift that Cornelius received and all of his house received. I'm grateful that the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So when we consider what happened that day, it's very similar to what took place on the day of Pentecost. Now, let's continue. When they were filled, in the next point, sister, when they were filled, the outward, there was an outward and observable manifestation of speaking in other tongues. That outward and uh, physical manifestation convinced the Jews that were there with Peter, convinced the Jews that, they, that, that were there with Peter, that the Holy Ghost had fallen on the Gentiles. This is why we know there are a lot of Baptist pastors that say, uh, that, that teach that, that once you're saved, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do we know that that's not correct? Because I've given you multiple scriptural examples where salvation or regeneration and being filled with the Spirit are not the same thing. There is evidence. What would be the physical evidence of somebody being saved? There isn't any. There isn't any. Apart from the individual witness of the Spirit in them that they've been born again for real, how can you say, oh, I know that I know they got saved? You don't really know. Okay? Now, some might argue, well, how do you really know that they received spirit baptism? Is there not counterfeits? Of course there are counterfeits. But there's always going to be, when, when we talk about spirit baptism, there's always going, going to be a physical evidence that accompanies something that can be heard and observed by outsiders. The Jews that were there with Peter, watch it now, they saw the Holy Ghost fall upon Gentiles and they were amazed. Now, how did they know that they had received the Holy Ghost? Because verse 46 says that they began to speak in other tongues. Verse 44 and 46. Watch it now. Let's read verse 46. Now, ready, read. For they were hearing them. Wait, let's read together. Ready, read. For they were, what? And? Now, let's go. We don't need to read the next verse. We've already read it. They were hearing. There was a sound that they heard. They heard them speaking in tongues. Well, Pastor... If I'm filled with the Spirit, am I going to speak in another tongue? The answer is yes. Initially, yes, you will. Are you always going to speak in another tongue? No, it's as the Spirit gives utterance. Or as you pray in the Spirit and are led to pray in the, in the Spirit. We'll talk about that later. We should be filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is something that is not a one-time occurrence. We should be filled all throughout our walk with God. We should continuously ask the Lord to fill us, to fill our cup, to keep the Spirit of God really just... Uh, flowing in our walk with him. He desires to fill us afresh and anew. It's not just a one-time thing, oh, I got it now and that's it. No, we should always say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because we're going to see how there are many different benefits of being filled with the Spirit. As I said a few weeks ago, we can't just stop at, at being baptized with the Spirit and say, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, and then walk away. No, being that initial evidence is that insurance card. Don't wave around your insurance card. No, activate and take advantage of all the blessings of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Being a Pentecostal is so much more than a way that we worship. It's so much more. I'm so zealous. I've always been so zealous and, and heavy-hearted about how Pentecostalism has been minimized and relegated to speaking in another tongue. That's the initial evidence that God, not us, God chose speaking in another tongue as that initial evidence. But there's so much more to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Just, just, just consider that. You think the Holy Spirit is limited to just giving you another tongue? No. It's far deeper than that. And so we should not stop at being baptized with the Spirit or getting that initial evidence. That's just where you begin. Are you following the thought? There are many, many benefits of being baptized baptized in the Holy Spirit.
Spirit. It's not just about speaking in another tongue. Speaking in another tongue is the initial sign that you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Are we clear on this, everybody? Now, after that, once you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, once he gives you that language from heaven, once, you, once he gives you that utterance, thank God that there are many benefits that we ultimately have access to by way of that spirit baptism. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Are you with me so far? Shout amen. Let me open up my little iPad here. It keeps shutting up. All right. Uh, now, lastly, all the recipients, according to the uh, account here in the house of Cornelius, all the recipients, not some, everybody that was in the house began to speak in other tongues. We, we, we see that in verse 44 of the chapter. All of them began to speak in other tongues. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. And while Peter was still, the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell on who? Everybody shout all. Wouldn't it be amazing if in a gathering like this, the Holy Spirit would fall on everybody that was here? Wouldn't it be great if it's not just one here and one there? Wouldn't it be great if all? I pray for those days. I believe we will see those days. That would be great if all would be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's, here, here's, why, here's, here's why that's a challenge for us. I know that I know that all of those people were hanging on the gospel that, pre, that Peter was preaching. If, if I had to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm a theologian, I'm going to write a commentary on this, but, I, but if I had to say what were some of the distinctives, what were the things that stand out to me at that outpouring in Cornelius' house, I would say this, they were all there to hear the gospel. I don't think we see these kind of outpourings in our gatherings because some people come to church not to hear the word, they come to see who's coming. I'll preach over here because they didn't like that over there. Uh, not everybody in church comes to hear the word. They come to see who's at church. They come to murmur. They come to criticize. They come to talk about who's, uh, how somebody else is dressed, talk about the songs, talk about the preacher. They come for different reasons, but they were all there. Somebody shout, they were all there. They were all there for one reason. That was to hear the gospel from Peter. And as they all heard, this is what's incredible. While Peter was still preaching, what happened? The Holy Spirit what? Phil, I'm glad that the Holy Ghost, being God, has the right, the prerogative, the power to say, all right, Peter, I got it. There's been a few times, not, it's, not, it's not always, but there's been a few times, I think Marlene's witness to this, there's times that we've ministered uh, in other churches, and while we're preaching, the Spirit of God will fall. While the preaching is going forward, the Spirit of the Lord will fall. We'll begin to minister to those that are hearing the word. Thank God for those interruptions from heaven. Amen, somebody. I'm grateful for those times that the Spirit of God comes and falls on his people while the word is being preached. But they were all there with the same intention. So knowing these things from this account of Cornelius, we scripturally affirm the following. Let there not be any wonder or doubt as to what this church, what this assembly believes. We scripturally affirm the following. We have, we, and let me just say this. We can't mix words about what the scripture declares. We declare what the Bible declares. We teach what the Bible teaches. These are not the ideologies or opinions of our scholars, our own intellectuals. This is what the Bible teaches, so we affirm these things. This church, we affirm the following. Number one, we affirm that speaking in tongues 
was and is an integral part of spirit baptism in the book of Acts and is the only manifestation that is associated with spirit baptism, which is explicitly given and presented as evidence that authenticates the experience. And on that basis, speaking in another tongue should be considered the norm. I know that's a mouthful. I had to give it to you that way. We affirm the following, that speaking in another tongue, spirit baptism is going to be followed by evidence that authenticates your experience, which is going to be speaking in another tongue. And this is considered and should be considered the norm, not the rule, not the exception. This is not, I'm not talking about, we'll talk about the gifts of the spirit later. This is not referring to the gift of the Holy Spirit that Paul deals with in the, to the church at Corinth. Do all speak in tongues? That is not what he's talking about. Within the context, both the, both the context of the chapter and the immediate context, Paul is talking about corporate worship. He's talking about the gift of the Spirit. Do all prophesy in another tongue? The answer is no. The answer is no. That's not what he's talking about. Because some people lean on that and say, you see, Paul said right here, does everybody speak in tongues? I love Dave Hunt. Dave Hunt's a great, great scholar, theologian even. May he rest in peace. But Dave Hunt was one that propagated that teaching. And he said, Paul said here that not all speak in tongues. But I think Dave Hunt, you don't even have to be a scholar. He knows and he should know that within the context of what Paul is teaching there, he's talking about corporate worship settings. And he's talking about the gift of prophecy or, the, or an utterance, a spirit-inspired utterance that is followed by an interpretation. That's, that was his opinion, though, that not all speak in tongues. Now, I, I would agree to this point. Not all will speak in tongues during a corporate worship setting. Not all will give an utterance in tongues followed by an interpretation. That we affirm also. But the initial evidence of speaking in another tongue, that's for all who have received. How do we know that? Because there's no other scriptural evidence that follows spirit baptism. Not one. As I said last Wednesday, it's God's prerogative. Why he chose that? Ask him when you get to heaven. If, if, if you were God, maybe you would have chose a different way, right? Well, I think the evidence shouldn't be tongues. It should be uh, you hop on one leg. Well, whatever, whatever you think should be the evidence, that's your, that's your opinion, but you're not God. God knew what the evidence should be. He gave us that evidence, evidence and we affirm what the Bible affirms. So what, what does all that mean? It means that we affirm here what the Scripture affirms. Spirit baptism is going to be followed by physical evidence. What is that evidence? Speaking in another tongue, as the Spirit gives you the utterance. A dear friend of mine, a dear sister in Christ said, Pastor, I no longer believe that being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that speaking in another tongue is the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, Sister, I love you, but you can't show me one place in the Scripture where spirit baptism is evidenced any other way. She said, I know. The moment she said, I know, my conversation was over. Because ultimately what she's, what she's leaning on now is her own opinion or what she believes to be true. He says, I've met a lot of people who love the Lord and they're full of the Holy Ghost. They might not be, they don't mind speaking, but I, I believe they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, that's great. I believe that, the, yes, the Holy Spirit lives inside. If you're a believer, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. We never, we, we do not believe that if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost doesn't live inside. No, we, when you're saved, the Spirit of God moves in. Somebody shout hallelujah to that. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. You are not a second-rate Christian. No, you, you're on your way to heaven. The Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. The moment you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves inside. Amen. But baptizing the Holy Ghost, 
you're going to speak with another tongue, God's going to fill you that way, and there's going to be evidence that can be heard or seen. That's what the Bible clearly affirms. Number two, secondly, we scripturally affirm the following. Speaking in tongues, speaking in another tongue, as the Spirit gives utterance, is the initial accompaniment to spirit baptism. Nowhere else in the Word of God does it indicate that somebody who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit can be baptized or claim to be baptized without speaking initially in another tongue. You won't find it anywhere, okay? And I hate to be redundant, but these things need to be drilled home. You ought to be able to know these things and affirm what the Bible clearly teaches. If somebody were to catch you on the street or you were to, if you were to ask somebody, the Bible says that we should give an, a defense, a reason for the, for the faith that we have believed. Don't, don't just tell people, well, I believe it because I believe it. No. You should know what the Bible teaches. You should know that there's no scriptural evidence of anybody being baptized in the Holy Ghost that they didn't speak in another tongue. They all spoke in another tongue. Are we clear on that? Okay. This is because, and the reason why I'm teaching this and taking time is because I know a lot of people, a lot of conservatives that preach, they they preach something contrary. They say, no, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost without speaking in another tongue. That's just not scriptural. There's no evidence. They might give an argument. Listen, listen, listen to your pastor. They might present an argument But an argument without scriptural evidence is always, always empty. An argument without scriptural evidence is always empty. An argument without scriptural evidence is always empty and should not ever be used for doctrine, for rule, and especially practice in the Christian church. If it's not clearly taught there, it shouldn't be practiced, nor should it be put, nor should it be set up as doctrine in the church of God. Okay? Does it mean they're not saved? No, it's not no, but, but it shouldn't be the norm. It shouldn't be received as doctrine in the church of God. Now, let's continue now. We're almost out of time here. I'm going to send you home early. What's great about this is we can continue next week because we're out of time. Now, I want to talk about continuing evidences of spirit baptism. I want you to take these down uh, because an, uh, the initial evidence is speaking in another tongue. Everybody clear on that? Okay, that, somebody shout, that's the initial evidence. That's, that's the initial evidence, speaking in another tongue. But there are continuing, continuing evidences of spirit baptism. Okay, put them up there, sister, because we've got to go home. Number one, spiritual edification. The Bible says that when we speak, once we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, our spirit is edified. Our spirit is edified. Read 1 Corinthians 14. It's a great chapter, by the way. Paul deals with, with uh, praying in the Holy Spirit and praying in the understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to read these verses before we uh, get ready to go home. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, 4, and 14. Can, sister, do you have them? Ready? Help me read them. we got to go. Ready? Read. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to? For no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Give me verse 4. The one who builds up. Read that again. The one who builds up himself, but the one who prophesies. See, two different gifts. Two different gifts. The gift of prophecy or utterance in tongues is to, for the edification of the church. But when you're praying in the spirit or worshiping in the spirit, you, you yourself are being built up and edified. So important. So important. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, 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 that I've received spirit baptism. Because there's been many times that my words are insufficient, woefully insufficient at that. Forget that. My words are terrible. They fall terribly short. The spirit begins to pray and intercede. And my inner man is built up and edified. Thank God for that edification. Verse 14, ready, read. For if I pray in a tongue, my, but my mind is what? Read that again. For if I pray in a tongue, 
My spirit prays. Somebody say, my spirit prays. Somebody say with me, my spirit prays. Do you know that your spirit prays? Your spirit prays. You ought to thank God that your mind, I'm going to be generous, that 50% of the time has carnal leanings. Thank, well, you said 75, not me. You said it. I was going to go with 90% of the time, but let's do 75. If you're spiritual, spiritually deep, 50% of the time your mind has carnal leanings. That's why Paul says, when I pray in the spirit, my mind is what? My mind is unfruitful. In other words, you got to be able to say, my mind, it's, it's carnal. I, how many can testify right now that since you've been in church, you've been thinking about beans, uh, you've been thinking about what you're going to eat after service. Come on, talk to me. Be honest. Brother Flores, not you. Why? 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 Tell on yourself. Don't be afraid. Why? Well, Pastor, because I'm carnally minded. Trying to stay in the spirit, but my mind. Let me help you. During that week of spiritual emphasis, I pray in the understanding. I always begin praying in the understanding. But there's always a moment where the spirit begins to pray, takes over and says, okay, you shut up now. You don't even know how you should be praying right now for your wife. Oh, I know you like, you're looking at me like, you're deep. I, 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 I'm deep, Pastor. I always know how to pray. No, you don't. No, you think you know. You don't always know. Why pray in the spirit? Because, in fact, I, I, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. Many times, many times I'm saying, I need to pray in the spirit. Here's why. Because I can't afford to miss this. I can't afford my carnal mind, my emotions, because we're overly emotional. I can't allow my emotions to do all this talking. So let my spirit pray. Let my spirit intercede because my mind. So your mind becomes unfruitful. That doesn't mean that, you're, that your brain did. It just, you're no longer praying in the understanding your spirit prays for you. And it's necessary. Somebody shout, it's necessary. <laughs> if you don't think it's necessary, that means that your mind is always 100% in the spirit. I dare you. I triple dog dare you to confess that right now. All right. Second, now we're, we'll deal with this uh, in greater detail next week. We're out of time. Brother, come. <clears throat> so we're edified. Secondly, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a joyful spirit. How about joy? We're going to be able to minister to other people. There's going to be Thanksgiving. And y'all ain't going to like this. So I'm going to take another week on this. There's going to be mutual submission and mutual respect. Ephesians 5 verse 18 all the way to verses 6 through 9. And that's that within that, let me help you, uh, within, that, that, within those verses, it talks about marriage, ministry, submission, respect. Talks about all those things. And guess what? The context of that is being full of the Spirit. Let me, te- let me help you. We've been trying to fix marriages without the help of the Holy Ghost. Not going to work. We've been trying to do ministry without the help of the Holy Spirit. Not going to help anybody. Sing your song all day long. I don't care if you sing like Frank Sinatra. Nobody's going to be delivered. Nobody's going to be healed. Nobody's going to be helped if the Spirit of God doesn't anoint you. Many times has the Lord allowed this preacher to fall on my face. And then afterwards, like, boy, you can't do this without my help. 
What would happen if this church all adopted that mentality? I can't sing. I can't serve. I can't love my wife. I can't love my husband. I can't submit. I can't be respectful to others. I can't have joy in my soul like I should without the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Where's D? Is he here? Where's D? Did he leave? Huh? Okay. Everybody stand. Sister Delia, thank you for filling in tonight. God bless you, sister. Somebody's going to buy you a burger tonight. I don't know who, but I, but I feel it in my soul. Somebody's going to buy you a burger. Look, at she's clapping. <laughs> she said, Amen. <laughs> Pastor Joe, you're closest to her. Good luck, brother. I think watch her. <laughs> Look at Pastor Joe like, not me. <laughs> you low on joy? Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your cup. Having a hard time? Having a hard time ministering to others? Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your cup. Now, we're going to talk about next week. If you've yet to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, what, what do you got to do? Ask. He's not going to give you something counterfeit. It's not going to be demonic or diabolical. Just ask him. I got to say this. Times of prayer and praise are usually when the Lord will fill you or baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to happen here at church. In fact, a lot of times we tend to put our faith in the laying on of hands or on the location. Begin to seek the Lord at home in prayer. Get quiet before God. Begin to pray and praise him. This is something else that's very common and consistent in the scripture. Many times they were filled with the Holy Spirit or spirit baptism when they were praying. 